Hi and welcome to The Courageous Mama. What a big week for everyone. We're being let a little bit looser, aren't we? Have you enjoyed just popping into people's houses or going to the pub or even going to a restaurant? This week was a big week for us too. We have an 18-year-old who came to the end of his school career and a 22-year-old who finished university. And they were both done with absolutely no aplomb, no closure, no finality, just the end of the day. It's so strange, isn't it? I've got a question for you this week. Where do you think your children will get their influence from? Their greatest influence. If you had to pick one of the following, who or what would it be that sociologists think that your children will get their greatest influence from in this generation? Friends, teachers, the internet, parents, politicians or celebrities? I'm going to tell you the answer at the end of the podcast. But first of all, I'm going to give you some context about how I got to the answer. Yep, this week I've got a gritty piece of research to share with you. I'm going to chat through how we differ from generation to generation. How we are affected by our environment and the events of our time. You know those expressions, Generation X, Millennials, Gen Z. Do you find they all get a bit complicated to follow? Do you know what generation you are? Do you know what generation your kids are? That's what I'm going to unpack today. I think that when we look at today's kids and try to understand them, it's helpful to look at the different experiences that shaped us and the people before us in order to see what's shaping them. Because understanding behaviour helps us with connection and influence. Why are those two so important? Connection is at the base of every good relationship. In fact, disconnection is at the heart of every failing relationship and corporation and society. So healthy connection is key. And influence? Well, outcomes are affected by what and whom people are influenced by. Remember that opening question, who or what are your children most influenced by? As we journey the generations today, we'll see the answer to that question. And you'll find yourself in the generation's research and your parents and your grandparents and, of course, your children. I'm not going to lie, it's a meaty one this week, but it's fun too. And there are gems that bring it all together and shape how we might change today and tomorrow based on what we've learned. How we can reach our kids and connect with them in new ways. In order to put all this together and make it easy to listen to, I asked my friend Alice Bond to give me a hand. We did a podcast together and then I divided it in two. This week I'm going to look at the generations and how they differ and the encouragements that we can take from that. And next week is my conversation with Alice about how we can use all of that information in family life, in our relationships, in our connection with our children. So Alice is the brains behind this week and I'll also include in the show notes the research that I've referred to and you'll find the transcript in this week's blog in case you want to go through it at a slower pace and see it all written down and that's the blog The Courageous Mama. So let's have some fun with Generations Research. Back in the 1960s a photographer called Robert Kappa 
took a photograph in order to try to encapsulate a generation. And he called them Generation X. And it stuck. And it launched a fashion of labelling different generations as they emerged. And they also retrospectively named some of the earlier generations. So here's a rundown of the dates and generation names. Bear in mind that they can vary across the world, but I'm going to go with Jason Dorsey's research boundaries for the dates. Those born between 1927 and 1946 are called the silent generation, the seen and not heard kids, the grannies and grandpas of a couple of generations ago. They're currently between the ages of 75 and 94, not all alive, of course. I say the current age because you stay in the same one. Whatever dates you were born isn't going to change, but your age progresses. Maturity, that's optional, but your age will progress. Then those born between 1946 and 1964 are the baby boomers, currently ages 57 to 75. Then Generation X were born between 1965 and 1976. I'm in there somewhere. So basically, anyone currently between 45 and 56 years of age. Then along came the millennials. That's a word we hear often and I'm keen to unpack it. I think that many of you listeners are millennials, currently between the ages of 26 and 44. But I also know that I've got listeners who've got older children, so you'll be Generation X along with me and may well have a millennial child or two. Millennials are born between 1977 and before 1995, and they're also known as Gen Y. Next in line is Gen Z, or more commonly called Gen Z. 1996 to 2015 or present. That is to say currently age 25 down to age 6. If your kids are 6 or below, it's generally held that you can apply the Gen Z data to them too. For what it's worth, they're emerging with the name Alpha Generation. There isn't enough data on them yet to examine them exclusively, but the application of connection in the family setting is as relevant to them as it is to Gen Z. So a quick review. Silent Generation, Baby Boomers, Gen X, Gen Y or Millennials, Gen Z. So today we're majoring in on Gen Z we're going to look at what distinguishes them as a generation. What are their motivations and frustrations? How can we understand them, connect with them deeply, parent them? But don't worry if your kids are a bit older, like some of ours, we'll cover them too. And if you're wondering why the age boundaries vary in their span, some include greater amounts of ages and some include smaller amounts of ages, it's because they're determined by a range of factors including demographics, historical events such as 9-11, popular culture and other things too. Now let's touch on the characteristics of the different generations so we get the gist of it before we hone in on Gen Z. And just to say, observations are just that. They're neither positive nor negative. They just give insights into the characteristics and behaviour of that generation. Let's start with the baby boomers. They were born in the big baby boom after World War II. As a generation, they rejected and redefined traditional values, 
they lived through the sexual revolution of the 60s, free-spirited and some of them hippies. Yep, your granny let it all hang out. And their major influences included the Vietnam War. But they were born before domestic computers. Yep, they were the first generation to transition across from non-digital to digital. We often think of Generation X as the digital immigrants, but in fact, it was the baby boomers. They carry pens and notepads about their person. Do your parents do that? They understand paper maps. I know that my mum, who's a big walker, uses ordnance survey maps when she's out on her countryside treks. And when I used to get lost in my car, pre-satnav, I'd often call my dad and he'd use complex terminology like north and west. And then they use dictionaries and libraries and encyclopedias rather than computers. They worked much harder for their intel than we do. They're characterised as being hardworking and resourceful, disciplined and goal-centric. Generation X. Generation X was brought up in the TV era, where BBC and ITV here and abroad the native equivalents. And programmes had specific times, or you missed it. There wasn't much to watch, so we all saw the same thing. We all knew the same celebrities, the same characters came up on TV, which means that also we were all influenced by the same central trends. A massive change from the millions of options that today's child can plug into at any time of day and night. When they go into school the next day, they won't have all seen Grange Hill. Yep, some of you 80s kids are recognising that. They won't have all seen Top of the Pops. They'll have seen whatever they plugged into. One seminal shift influenced by television was satirical TV. Spitting images that roundly mocked the people in power and then gave way to a shift in respect for authority. Yup, Gen Z didn't invent the undermining of authority. It came from Gen X. And the other phenomena that started with Gen X was the slow emergence of celebrity culture. Eroded was the respect gained from education, standing or experience. TV altered that. No longer did a person need education or gravitas to command a public following. Charisma was sufficient to bring about fame and influence. And this is where we see that trends and events impact how we behave, our choices. For example, leaders who had a great deal to bring to their roles, but were maybe more introverted or internal thinkers, began to lose followers to those who had more stage presence. Charisma was the new authority. Unsurprisingly, one of the overriding characteristics of Gen X is that they're naturally sceptical. They like data to be authenticated rather than anecdotal. They value loyalty and loyalty needs to be proven. And so on to millennials, a whole different breed. They had computer access during adolescence. But they're still not digital natives because they didn't grow up with tech. My millennial child often reminds me that he wasn't allowed Facebook until he was 16. In fact, one of the great misnomers of the millennials is that they're called digitally savvy. It's not in fact the case at all. To quote the charismatic researcher Jason Dorsey, they're digitally dependent but not digitally savvy. They might have been the first generation to text what time is dinner mum instead of coming down the stairs to ask. They might have been the first generation to text and tweet and walk into walls. 
But they're not credited with knowing how it all really works. They're only credited with not knowing how to live without it. And what was the world event that determined their generational boundary? 9-11. Not living through 9-11, but being old enough to have witnessed it happening on screen. You can't be born after 1995 and process the significance of 9-11, to quote Jason Dorsey again. You were too young and the chances are the TV was being turned off rather than turned on in front of you. You see, if 9-11 is history to you, you're Generation Z. Just as JFK is not a real-time experience for Generation X. And you might ask, why does it matter if I could watch it as a historical event online? Well, it matters because when it's history, we know what's going to happen next. When it's live, you don't. Do you remember waking up the morning that Brexit got through? Did anybody not wonder how that was going to affect and shape England, Europe, the world? We felt that in the pit of our stomachs, didn't we, no matter which way we'd voted. That was an experience that won't be had by a Generation Alpha who will watch it as history in 20 years' time. They won't be able to experience it with real-time feelings any more than we can experience VE Day with real-time feelings. Living through 9-11, no matter where you lived, was cataclysmic to watch and try to process. Millennials then lived through the shift of power and the wars and anxieties that followed. They lived through the beginnings of political polarisation, Obama coming to power in 2008, marking a significant moment in political history. They've lived through the changing of the norms. So what are their characteristics? Well, they're called the selfie generation. They're the experiential generation. They challenge the hierarchical status quo, even gone as the formal attire and the ties at work. They're supportive of the social good, making impulsive donations, doing organised bike rides for charity and so on. They want to be part of something bigger than themselves. They job hop in a way that previous generations would have been scorned for. And they're more team focused than their predecessors. And they thrive on feedback and experience. And that's a really important one to know. Why? Well, if you're employing one, it'll help you to know that an annual review is a dated concept for a millennial. They'll want to know how they're doing on a regular basis. They want feedback from the workplace and they want their workplace to stimulate them, to have an environment that stimulates them. Think Google. If you want to get the best out of millennials, connect with them and influence them. Give them a good onboarding experience at work and give them regular feedback. Experience and feedback is their language. I'm homing in on the workspace here because millennials aren't children anymore. They're currently at work and or raising children of their own. So that's why the work context for them. And they're characterised as being the thinking generation, living for experiences, perhaps because buying houses was harder for them. So they had that extra money to travel. So it was travel, food and Instagram for them. And whilst every generation will have their key drivers and characteristics, they will also, we hope, grow and mature. So it's important to allow for changes as that cohort moves through. And then along came Gen Z. They're under 25. 9-11, the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan are historical events to them. And they've had limitless opportunities. 
They're more likely to have crossed borders, have friends from across the globe that they've never even met, and they're more integrated in terms of race, culture and religion. So what are their characteristics? Well, inclusivity for one. They're more flexible about social issues such as sexual orientation. But the piece of research Alice and I found most revelatory and most enlightening for us as parents, and this is where all of this is leading to, is where this generation take their influence from. Where would you say Gen Z take their influence from? Would you say that's friends, teachers, parents, celebrities, the internet or politicians? I wonder what you said. The answer is their parents. I'm going to say that again. According to the Varki Foundation, the greatest influences of Gen Z are their parents. In fact, I'm going to shout it from the rooftops. Gen Z have a drive for authenticity and a craving for truth. And we need to know this. Why? Because more and more parents are saying that they feel they're losing the battle for influence against Gen Z's online world. Remember that our children are prey to their personal algorithms. They get a skewed view of the world depending on their interests and the platforms that they engage with. Where previous generations got their seminal story from the six o'clock news, today's youth and children are galvanised around whatever story their algorithm is feeding them. And that will feel like the dominant player in their world. And because of that, their communities are often based on digital communities rather than physical communities. Commonalities can form community in a way that previous generations didn't have access to. So you can bond around a political belief, ideologies, sexual orientation, rather than static communities such as family, region or country. Yet Gen Z are truth seekers. They love authenticity. They've grown up knowing that the information that they get online is subjective to a degree rather than reliable. They understand the strengths and weaknesses of their smartphones, the lack of absolutes. And where are they going to find truth's reliable source amidst the shifting digital sands? You and me. Mum and Dad. Will they listen to us? Well, they're a lot more likely to if we can try and see the world from their perspective. We don't have to agree with all of their perspectives, but understanding what's shaped and formed their perspectives is a great starting point. We can accept that they're not necessarily coming from the same starting point of perspective as us. And that's the whole point of unpacking the generation's research to show that our different formative experiences, the world events that we experienced or witnessed online and the social norms that have shaped us shape the way we see the world. And we need to know that we can understand the world as they see it and still influence them from how we see it. And this is where I'm going to bring Alice in. This week, I'm going to give you a soundbite, like a trailer. And then next week, we really flesh out how we can use this stuff to encourage our children. Alice and her husband have three children, ages 8, 10 and 12. And I find her a massively encouraging person to chat with. She has connection at the core of her parenting. 
So here's a little soundbite of how we can be encouraged that we can be the ones to build connection with our children in this world of many influences. And then my analysis of that was an image of the Australian outback that my husband, he, he worked there for a year. And, and they, I think this is in their history. There were two ways of looking after cattle. You had one where you had any kind of fence around this massive area where the cattle roamed. And then the other one was you have a waterhole in the middle. And essentially the waterhole, they, they don't wander off because they need the water. So they come to the waterhole, they don't need a fence. And my a general conviction over parenting is to create the waterhole mm. out of their own convictions, not out of the fence, because the fence won't be there when they've grown up and left home. How true is that? I find that so inspiring. And next week, we're going to flesh that out. How do you make the watering hole a place they want to gather around so that you don't have to build fences? Come and join us for that. And don't forget, you can get the transcript on the blog this week, The Courageous Mama. And on there, you can also get your discounted copy of Parenting for Life, a beautiful hardback, fully illustrated parenting book. A fantastic gift and a beautiful thing for you to read. As one reader said, if I only ever bought one parenting book, this would be it. There's lots of easy to read encouragements about building connection with your children of every age. In fact, the Cheltenham Lit Fest was so impressed with it, they invited me to be a speaker. And if you want to find me, I'm the Courageous Mama everywhere. On Instagram, on the blog and at Gmail. I'm happy to chat with you if you've got a question about family life and you can also book a consultation and find ways forward in family life where you're finding it difficult. The link below will take you to more information about those sessions. And here's an announcement. I'm looking to gather a few people to do a parenting course. Something personal, something just geared to a small group of people. It'll be one evening a week for six weeks. First come, first served. So let me know if you're interested and I'll send you more information about that. And I'll see you next week with Alice Bond.